Hey friends, this is Methodist Musing, where we discuss important issues and topics for Christians to ponder. Uh, today we're speaking with our youth pastor, Darren Fielder, getting to know him a little bit. And we're also um, talking about how churches and how our church can help young people connect um, in their faith and connect to church and actually really enjoy church and feel like it's their church. And so uh, we're excited about that. I'm John Duff, the assistant pastor here at St. Mary United Methodist. I'm Chris Morgan, and I am the senior minister at Centenary in Danville. And we are really pleased to have with us our um, youth pastor, Darren Fielder. And so, Darren, welcome. Thank you. Appreciate it. Glad to be here with you guys. Yeah, yeah. We're happy that you're here. You give some excitement to our show. So, but we normally start by asking how have our weeks been? So, Chris or Darren? Chris, you go first. Well, as an introvert, I really believed that being in quarantine, being up in an upstairs bedroom without, you know, I mean, I still have church stuff to do and I'm still trying to stay connected and, and all of that. But I thought it was going to be a lot more fun than it actually has been. Um, I had resolved, like I had even set out, I wrote the first day, this is going to be a good 14 days when I'm going to get all of this done and I am not going to be glum and gloomy and all of that stuff. And for the most part, I'd say I, I'll give myself a 70 or a 75 grade for, uh, the dog has decided to come around back, uh, but I, it's it's uh, not been as easy as I imagined it would be. But I'm okay, and the rest of the family is okay, and uh, so far so good. Yeah, that's good. How about you, Darren? Uh, things are going well. We actually uh, the, this past weekend, Amber and Jordan actually came in for a couple of days, and so um, we did what will pass as our mini Thanksgiving uh, this past weekend because, again, they won't be able to be here for Thanksgiving. So yeah. um, it was good to see them, and uh, but it's it's been good. Cool. Awesome. Well, I've had a good uh, weekend, weekend, and uh, despite the being alone because of quarantine, it's uh, it's been okay, and I've done, like I've shared, I've been doing some woodworking, and now I have not run out of wood per se but i've run out of screws um it was weird at the time for anyone to have a beard for like the seven and so <laughs> i've been i've so i've kind of slowed down and i i'm gonna do some painting on one of my projects until i can but i'm out of quarantine in like a couple of days so i'm i'll go run to lowe's and get the right screws i need to restock my screws but um yeah, so that's been fun. This morning was kind of a bummer because I was on my way to get tested for COVID, and I had a flat tire. And so I pulled over and got my new, um, put my the spare tire on, and then I went and got tested and came back. So it was kind of a bummer on that. So I'm going to have to get that to be fixed this afternoon but we're here now on the podcast it's like nine degrees outside though it had to be cold changing the tire yeah it was a little cold and it was interesting because like when i i, I jacked it up and you know i have my 
bolt to unscrew the the lug nuts or whatever they're called. And on first try, I was like, man, I can't get these off. <laughs> and I don't know why, but I I think it was primarily I wasn't I didn't have the right angle to get it. And then like, you know, I was like, gosh. And then I tried it again, and I got all of them. And I was like, oh. I just had the wrong angle on the wrench, so uh, in terms of applying the right force. So, but anyways, we I got that, and it's gonna be fixed hopefully, relatively soon, and we're all good. So, but today we're here to kind of talk with Darren and get to know Darren a little bit. And so um, we're just gonna hop right. You you don't have any like news stories or funny things to say, Chris, right? Well, there was a news story I was looking for when my phone started talking. So, uh, oh, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the dog. And I am protecting my lunch right here in my lap. And if the dog attacks me, you know why. But, uh, okay. yeah. no. So, if we see a dog, yeah, we'll, we'll be on the lookout. So, let's dive into talking with Darren about Darren and getting to know Darren. You've been at Centenary for... A year and a half almost now, or just a year, or I don't know. Almost a year and a half. I mean, a, a okay. year, a, a, it was a year in September, so um, so a little over a year. So um, I know a few things about you. Uh, we wanted to hear kind of what was growing up like for you, and then you were also in the military for a while, so I wanted you to share a little bit on that. Um, and then kind of just a general kind of outline of your life story a little bit. So, okay. Yeah, throw that stuff at us. We'll be happy to hear. All right. Well, um, I was actually born in Cincinnati, although my family was all from Kentucky. Uh, but we, we moved out to Arizona when I was five uh, because my sister and I were allergic to everything. Um, so I, I grew up actually out in Arizona, in Tucson, Arizona but spent all of my summers back here, uh, actually over in Rockcastle County in Mount Vernon, um, bouncing around between my two different grandparents' houses, my all of my aunts and uncles' houses. and um, But again, grew up in Arizona, and uh, uh, actually, I, I guess a couple of things that are probably the, the biggest things that made me want to do what I'm doing now. My parents were divorced when I was eight, and um, I, I, as a kid, I didn't really know why my mom was never home after that, but it's unfortunately because she was working two jobs and gone all the time. And um, so it was, uh, I don't know, up till, up till the time I was eight, it was a pretty normal childhood. Everything was good. Although as a five-year-old getting used to uh, being in Arizona was interesting. I remember my first day of school, um, touching a cactus that uh, I had, I thought it was really cool looking. So I reached down and touched this cactus and it happened to be a jumping cactus or a choya cactus. So it wrapped around my arm. And I, so I go screaming back to the house. Anyway, that was I got to have one of these. Wait, yeah. <laughs> that wraps around your arm? Well, I mean, as soon as you, basically they, they look like sausage links almost. And okay. yeah, choya cactus, they, they, they have little, yeah, pieces that are all wrapped or stuck together. And so when you touch one and one comes off, the others tend to come off. And it, so, yeah, anyway. Oh, um, that's but yeah, I, and then of course, uh, yeah. And, you know, again, being a, 
I guess by then five and a half, six year old, I tried tried wiping it off, which meant then I had it in both hands. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, that was uh, nice welcome. But um, yeah. Anyway, I know I, I really did enjoy growing up in Tucson, though. Um, but I have always wanted to move back to Kentucky since I was, well, a kid because I loved spending time on my grandfather's farm and um, yeah. actually being in Mount Vernon seemed a little bit like being in Mayberry to me. Um, and, uh, and it was also nice because once my parents were divorced, it was, there was actually family around when I was back here. So, yeah. but anyway, um, moving, moving way forward, um, ended up, um, graduating and going straight into the military. Uh, and we'll, we'll skip all the, the other, uh, mess of, of being a kid, but, um, went in the military, spent six years as an Apache helicopter mechanic in the army, um, got to serve in the Gulf war, um, or desert shield and then desert storm and then operation desert shield, whatever they keep changing the name, but basically the Gulf war. Um, and, uh, so you, again, once you were a helicopter mechanic, huh? you were a helicopter mechanic, uh, Apache so, helicopter, helicopter okay. mechanic. Yeah. Well, if I have a helicopter that needs fixing, I'd come to you. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's. I was gonna say, just in case you have a helicopter that that uh, needs repair, I'm your guy. Especially so, if it's an Apache. Especially if it's an Apache, yes. I, you know, I kind of frown upon anything worth under under fourteen million, but uh, as long as it's at least fourteen million and has, yeah, no, um, no, I, uh, I did, and I, I really enjoyed my time in the service. Uh, I spent almost the entire time in Fort Hood, Texas. Um, it was while I was in the service that I met Jeannie. Uh, and of course my wife, Jeannie is from Kentucky. So I was back here visiting family when we met and, um, funny story. I, I actually was staying with my uncle and every, every time I would go out, this is after the Gulf war, um, after, well, let's see, I think I had a month and a half of leave. And so I came back and spent a good bit of time and did the hometown recruiter program and all kinds of things. But um, every time I would meet somebody and go back, my uncle would say, oh, yeah, that's your third cousin. Oh, yeah, that's your fifth cousin. Oh, yeah, that's your. And as, as long as my uncle knew who they were, even if they weren't related, if my uncle knew who they were, I didn't want anything to do with them. And, and finally, I came home one night and I said, I met a girl named Jeannie Reynolds. And he said, who? I was like, yes. Okay, so, um, but uh, now we we got married while I was still in the service, and uh, and then two years later had our first son Ryan. Ryan, who's now twenty five, we will be married for twenty eight years in December. Um, so um, Ryan's twenty five, and then Amber, after we moved out to back to Arizona, had her out in Tucson. Huh? You got married. That's pretty young, right? It is pretty young because I mean I'm still 29. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm really young. I'm on my I'm on my 21st anniversary of my 29th birthday now. Nice. So, yeah. Um, the kids the kids really enjoy doing math when I throw that out to them. It's <laughs> it's not so bad. It wasn't too bad when I was on my 20th anniversary of my 29th birthday, but 
now that it's an odd number again, I'll get I'll get that face sometimes. Um, anyway, so we uh, five years ago moved back here, um, and again we had we had had horses when we were out in Arizona. I've always loved horses. Uh, Jeannie's always loved horses. Amber's ridden since she was seven. And having horses in Arizona was really expensive because there's just not a lot of hay or grass or anything for them to eat. So, um, yeah, yeah. But so that was just another reason that it was a, a good time to move back here. But we also wanted to be closer to Amber or uh, to, to Jeannie's mom because she wasn't doing too well. Um, so anyway, we, so we've been back here for five years and, uh, that's that's kind of the the life story wrapped and, up. Uh, and fill us in on after the military, what did you do? After the military, um, I and the interesting, well, one of the one of the things that happened while I was in the Gulf War is I guess um, one of the gifts from the military that I got was um, I worked on Apache helicopters for three and a half years and then went to the Gulf. And when we came back from the Gulf, within three months, I couldn't touch any of the lubricants or oils or anything without my hands cracking and bleeding. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, they, we had no idea why. We had no idea. So I ended up for a good year and a half doing, uh, working in the parts van, driving for a command sergeant major, uh, doing just all kinds of odd jobs because I couldn't work on the Apache and so when it came time to either re-enlist or get out, um, I said, okay, well, can I change jobs? And they said, uh, no. Mm. Of course, I had, I had gone into the military planning on making it a career, but since I couldn't do my job anymore, I decided it was a good time to get out. So um, got out of the service and went to uh, back to Tucson and went to the University of Arizona and uh, went for four years and got my bachelor's degree in elementary education. Um, I had, I had always, uh, well, Jeannie and I both had, had volunteered and had done Sunday school and had done all kinds of things in church. And I knew I loved working with kids, um, enjoyed teaching. And I decided at that point that if I couldn't be a mechanic, if I couldn't work on helicopters, um, that I would be a teacher. Um, so those are, you know, cause those are basically yeah. the same. I, that's one of my <laughs> as I'm thinking about this a, a yeah. military man who's also an engineer I don't always equate that bit with being good with kids yeah so how does that work it's just part of who you are you know what I I really think that um and this part of part of what I skipped with when I was a kid was uh you know if I was if I was growing up now I would be stamped ADHD so fast my head would spin um, I, I was that typical boy who could not sit still. Um, I was always in trouble for being out of my seat, for roaming around, for talking, for whatever. And, uh, I, I actually have to say I hated school, um, from probably third grade on, yeah. uh, just because I didn't like sitting still and, when uh, I was in seventh grade before I had a teacher who basically as long as we did the work and as long as we did what we were supposed to, he, well, it was a guy and he understood that, you know what, sometimes when you don't feel like sitting, 
you need to stand up and stand over in the corner for a minute or whatever else. And as long as we did the work, you know, he understood that. And as I, as I got older, um, I really wanted to try and reach kids to make it more, um, well, successful for them in school. I wanted to, I wanted to go into teaching because I wanted to reach kids at a younger age and let them know that number one, education is important. Number two, um, just the, the fact that they have a hard time sitting still doesn't mean they're bad kids, doesn't mean they're misbehaving, doesn't mean they're, you know, um, and uh, just wanted to, wanted to try and impact uh, kids' lives and make it, uh, well, to where they don't mess up as much as I did when I was younger. So you actually spent some time teaching in Arizona, and when I you did. first moved to Kentucky, that was that was your first uh, job in Kentucky, right? Was was teaching. It was, it was. I uh, when I when I first graduated from the University of Arizona, I taught in Vail, uh, Vail, Arizona, not Vail, Colorado. Um, Vail is just outside of Tucson, but I, I taught fifth grade in Vail, and um, it was that at the near the end of that year that I was actually offered the job as the director of children's ministry at, at the church that we were attending. And so um, I, to tell you the truth, I hadn't really thought about um, being able to earn a living as uh, in, in ministry. It was always just something that I did as, you know, serving as a deacon on the stewardship committee, um, teaching Sunday school, doing all these other things. And when I was offered the job, I was like, wow, wait. <laughs> You mean I, I can have a job doing what I love doing and so anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, so I taught out in Vail and, and then took the job at. Uh, That's a really good sign. Huh? That's a really good sign when you, yeah. you're like going in, you have a ministry job and you're yeah. like, yes. That's yes. great. Yeah. Yeah. But um, so I, I, and actually I continued to teach for a little while, but then and, and took the job as the director of children's ministry and, um, Unfortunately, that was also, that was one of the first kind of messes with church stuff where unfortunately real life gets involved um, and we had a, a church split where our pastor and some other folks got into some trouble and that was my, my first exposure to, hey, even Christians are susceptible to problems in the world and things going wrong and everything's not picture perfect in a church. Um, and so, but, uh, yeah. And when I moved back here, as soon as we moved back here, uh, I took a job substitute teaching in Boyle. And so I substitute taught in the elementary school, middle school, high school, all over the place. Um, and then got a job the following year, uh, teaching in Casey County. Um, so I got a job in fifth grade and actually the first year I taught sixth grade. I take it back. The first year I taught sixth grade, the second year I taught fifth grade down in Casey County. Um, and uh, I was actually at the bowling alley um, and Susanna Kondik um, was talking with a lady whose son I was bowling with because John McLean um, is a young man who I bowled with during the summers because his dad had passed away. Um, and uh, Susanna heard me talking about the fact that my, my background was actually in ministry and she pounced. She was like, wait, what? And I said, yeah, my, my background's in ministry. Um, 
and I again I, I jumped over this, but I, I spent about 12 years at uh, another church as the director of children's ministry and then working closely with the youth there. Um, cool. And uh, so altogether about 18 years uh, either volunteering or working in children and youth ministry. And so I started talking with her about that and she very quickly uh, ran to, to Sean and Chris and said, hey, I've got somebody that I want you to talk to. And I said, you know, Suzanne, I said, I, I, to me, youth ministry is a full-time job. It's something that you have to spend the time, you have to put in the time, you have to invest in the kids, you have to, um, you know, get involved in their lives, go to games, go to their dances, go to activities, get to know them. And uh, they were they were at the time looking for a part-time person. And I said, yeah, I'll talk to them. I'll, I'll talk to them, but I, I don't think it's going to work. And uh, lickety split really quick. Chris can tell you this part. It was, it was not a, it was not a fast decision, but again, most, most good decisions aren't made quickly, but um, they, they decided to make it a full-time position. And I have absolutely loved my time at seminary. It's been a good time. And this, especially the, uh, the, I love Darren's like, whole array of competencies so <laughs> it's it's like uh when when the children and youth ministry part became incredibly difficult due to covid um darren has a has a competency with uh with doing the the cameras and the videography which helped us to to really get moving online which is is going to be in the long term like in the short term, we see that it's going to be necessary in the next few weeks. In the long term, um, we're going to be able to connect with our homebound people in a way that we would never have been able to connect before. So I appreciate all of that competency that uh, that Darren brings to uh, the table. Um, I'd, I'd like to know, like... Uh, what do you think, and this is more of a, this is kind of a philosophical question, but, uh, but also kind of an experiential question. What do you think it's important for people who have been in church for a long time? Uh, what do you think it's important for uh, our seniors, for our empty nesters, even, even for parents of children to know about, um, about kids in faith, youth in faith? I think one of the biggest things is that um, kids really appreciate it when you're genuine with them. Um, one of the one of the biggest things for me is that kids are really smart, and sometimes they don't let on that they know that you're, I don't know, either pulling their leg or kind of just you know not giving them the whole story or something. Kids are really smart. Um, and they really appreciate it when you're genuine with them. They don't, they don't like it when, um, you kind of play nice and, and just only tell them part of the story because you think, Hey, you're, you're a little kid. You're not ready for this, whatever. Um, they, they really appreciate being treated like people because gosh, they are people. <laughs> um, so many people. And, and again, it, sometimes I, I see people who I'm absolutely blown away 
by the fact that, you know what, we were all little kids at one point. We should understand what it was like. We should remember what it was like. Um, but no, I, I, that's the biggest thing is, is being genuine. Um, and you know, it's, again, that's, that's kind of one of my pet peeves only because, um, again, I see a lot of people who, who try to either dumb down or, um, I don't know, just change what they're doing for the kids. And it is, it is, um, I think it's incredibly important for kids to get to interact with all different generations. Um, so, um, one of the, and actually I'll just, I'll tell you about something. And this is something that I, I know I talk about this during my interview process, but out in Tucson, one of the things that I had started doing was actually a, a program called man of the house. Um, and we actually did something where I had some dads and some older guys come and I invited any of the kids who were kindergarten through high school. And every month we would meet and do something like either learn how to change the tire on a car, look through the manual, find out what the air pressure is supposed to be, learn how to change the oil in the car. Um, we built a picnic table, we built cornhole boards. We, uh, of course, we also did a lot of things like archery and shooting BB guns and other fun stuff, but we did all kinds of things. We, we took apart and put back together a toilet one time. Um, we just did all kinds of things because there are so many kids now who don't know how to do some of the basic things um, because there, unfortunately for these kids, there wasn't a man around. Um, and for the ones who did have a dad around, we wanted to take advantage of that. But, um, even for the ones who did have a dad around, a lot of the dads, um, they told me this in, in privacy afterwards, but a lot of the dads learned a lot about how to use some of the tools too, and how to change the oil and some of the things. And, um, but anyway, it was, it was something where getting the kids involved in real life, getting the kids involved in uh, the lives of the other people in the church and letting them get to know them as people um, was incredibly valuable. And so I think that uh, what Jill does, having the kids be in the service um, early on is incredibly important because well, again, there's a place for children's church. There's a place for uh, absolutely in nursery and when they're really young. But after that, church is, church is a family. Church is the family of God. And as families, we've gotten way too in the habit of everybody going to their room and being in different places and not spending enough time together. So um, I think, I, I think the, uh, I am... I am in no way, shape, or form cool. I will guarantee you that. I am an old guy, and I'm a fuddy-duddy, and I'm goofy, and the kids, I enjoy being with them, and they enjoy being with me because I talk to them, and I just have conversations with them, and I treat them like people. Um, it, I, I think somehow people get convinced that when they're older, that the kids are going to look at them like, ah, you don't know what you're talking about or, or not. Anything. The kids love learning and talking. And so just, you know, that's it. That's kind that, of a ramble. No, that's really good. I find that, I find that really important 
I like to try to remind older folks that I think older folks are afraid of approaching younger folks. And I also think younger folks are afraid of approaching older folks because both have opinions like, oh, the kid, the youth won't think I'm cool. And I'm, and then the youth are like, oh, the young, the older folks will just, you know, say, um, whatever. And the deal is like, that's not going to keep you from connecting. If you honestly care about someone and are genuine about that, like you said, and I think that's super important. So, and it does, I mean, it, it does go both ways. Yeah. Um, they're, I, I will say one of the reasons or one of the things that I'm sure turns off a lot of older people or makes them uh, hesitant to approach younger people is uh, there has been a change. I mean, and, and it's evident there has been a change in the way kids behave and, and there there's a little more, things are a little more lax. Um, and I think part of the reason for that is because there's just not as much interaction with an older generation with older people. And, um, so that's something that, I don't know, when I was, when I was teaching fifth grade, one of the things that made me very unpopular for about the first month when I was teaching fifth grade in Arizona is that I made, um, all of the boys be last in line and all the girls go first. And the boys were always door holders. And the parents at first had an absolute fit that I was having the girls eat first, get to go through the line first and having the boys go second and that the boys were always the door holders for the girls. It's amazing though, a month in, they really liked it. And their kids started being more courteous and some other things and so, but like I said, I'm an old fuddy-duddy, so we'll we'll skip right over that. So. Well, so, okay. there's a couple comments. Do you want to say something? No, bring up the comments first. Oh, well, um, one, Taryn says that you guys need to give me a shirt. So I, I can, yeah, I, I was just talking about that. Yeah. Yeah, but sorry. I, sorry, John. You're not in the club yet. We'll, we'll work on that. Yeah, I'm going to get one. Uh, yeah. Um, Kylie Overing says she really likes your background. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, I'm, a, I'm at the office. Perfect, perfect, perfect in slog, if I can say it right. So, yeah. It's the, it's an office background. So, for those of you who don't know, the office is the comedy show um, in the early, in the 2000s, 2010s. So, yeah. it's over now. It's been over for a few. But, but you can watch it nine or ten times, and it's just as great every time you watch it. Yeah, yeah. yeah here's the real background. So this is kind of boring. Is, I'm in my kitchen. So Jeannie would be, oh, well, there you go. There's all of Jeannie's all decorations and things. So anyway, that's kind of boring. Okay. But um, back to the topic, I, you know, yeah. I was a youth pastor for two years, and, and then since then I've worked with college students and young adults a lot. Um, but one of my things is the the great thing about youth group is you have that um, you have an imperative to create spaces and environments where people can learn to connect and build relationships because when it's it's hard for youth to do that and so you do like silly games and you have like hey go run and find someone who has you know the same birthday month as you or whatever and it's this kind of forced mingle it's not well it's like set up to help you build relationships and i'm always like that's a youth thing but we need to bring that into the church in general (laughs) because the truth is it's hard for it's 
just as hard. I mean, it's easier. Like I have better social skills now than I did before, but I still need help in building relations. And lots of people need help, especially crossing generational boundaries to build relationships. So, so I always think of, okay, how can we, and, and whenever I do this with people, I say, oh, I used to be a youth pastor, so excuse me, but we got to do this. So yeah. I always do that. So, um, you know, it's important. I was going to say, I got to tell you, though, one of the, in some, some of the churches that I worked in since, uh, in, in order to be able to be the children or youth pastor, I had to do other things to actually make money. So I, I spent a lot of time in sales as well. And yeah. so either in medical device sales, pharmaceutical sales, other things. And in both of those roles, a lot of times when you're either role playing or doing other things, they'll do icebreakers. I mean, sure, I'm sure everybody's done icebreakers before. And I always excelled in the icebreakers because it's stuff that I had done with the kids. Yeah. And so, you know, when they're talking to salespeople about, hey, trying to be comfortable talking to people and they're doing icebreakers that you would normally do with kids, it's not that far fetched to think that everybody needs it. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we have about 10 minutes, so I just wanted to kind of continue on that topic. One thing, when, when I got the centenary, one of the things I loved was I went into the chapel, and on the chapel wall, it has the psalm that speaks of passing our faith on from one generation to the next. And, and that is such like a core thing here at Centenary and an, an important value Um and, and of course, obviously, Centenary has done it for quite a long time. Um, but um, the deal is, one of my big things is, okay, from the time when, when I was a kid, and I'm only 30 years old, to now, I think there's been a drastic change in the world in ways that previously, there have been big changes in history. So I, d- I don't want to say that not... But like in, in a in a way that's really different than when I was a kid, and so how can we as a church help young people connect with their faith, connect with our church? Um, besides, you've always already talked about being genuine and, and building those intergenerational relationships. But what are a few other things that we, as a church, and, and maybe things we can think about in connecting with youth? Uh, you you see in big changes in your 30 I'm 50 so I, yeah I've, I've, yeah um, I, you know the uh, first of all I know that uh, again the video now Chris was was saying that and, and I was it was completely a God thing that I ended up doing the video work for the one of the churches before I came to centenary uh, because actually as a matter of fact they asked me to work on their videos and streaming and everything and I said and eh, you know I'm working with the kids and they said well this is what we need so I prayed about it did it and and it's come full circle to where God was like see you needed you needed that um, but uh, um, I, the videos uh, all, all the things that are a little more interactive are not just going to reach our shut-ins it is absolutely amazing how many people coming to town um, will go online and, and try and get to know a church before visiting someplace, and so it'll make them more comfortable. Um, and the reason I bring that up is because our kids, one of the major changes that we've had is our kids spend so much time online watching blogs, watching um, videos, watching everything in the world, anything and everything online. And so having an online presence is something 
that helps to connect with them. Um, but then things like having, you know, the, the TV upstairs and having video games and having things that they enjoy. Um, one of the things that I have strived to do is make it a place that they enjoy hanging out, making a place that feels like home. Um, because we we actually just finished a series talking about family and about the fact that, again, the church is the family of God and we want to make it to where they have people that they're comfortable talking with. Um, and you have to, first of all, earn their trust. They have to know that you care. Um, and, you know, the old, I guess the old saying is they don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. Yeah. Uh, it is absolutely true. And so small groups has been one of the, the biggest ways that we've done that and getting, getting the kids talking. And one of the things that I would absolutely love is to get more, uh, adults involved with our kids in small groups and in other events, because the kids just, I, you know, you think that they're standoffish and you think that they don't want to talk to you, but they just, they're dying to talk with somebody who's been there. They're dying to talk with somebody who's been through it and come through the other side and knows what they're going through. And um, again, it's, it's they're dying it, for, I think. It, it absolutely is the relationship that they're dying for. And, and they love talking with adults and, Again, so I guess the thing I would say is for the adults, keep in mind that yes, we do a lot of goofy things. Yes, we run around the church playing grog and um, doing scavenger hunts and playing all kinds of goofy things, but that's in order to get to a point where we can stop and slow down and say, all right, we've had some fun, now let's talk. And boy, do they wanna talk. Yeah. Darren, before we run out of time here, um, I want to. I just want to ask you about one of the major changes that's happened since you've been at Centenary. Um, you have enrolled at Asbury Seminary, and uh, so you're doing the theological education thing. What's what's been like? What's been the most fun about that? Uh, the biggest, most pleasant surprise. You know, actually, the the biggest surprise is probably, and this is incredibly naive of me, but I went in thinking, ah, I've been going to church for a long time. This will be easy. I mean, what, you know, we're just going to talk about God. We're going to talk about church. We're going to studying all of these things like Oz Guinness and Odin and classic Christianity and, uh, all these books that are so rich. And, um, again, just, huh? That's, yeah. I like it, man. I, it, it's been, it's been absolutely amazing. And actually, Almost everyone that I'm in school with is in school to become a pastor. Um, and I, it's so weird for me because I'm like, okay, I'm doing what I want to do. I'm, I'm in the job that I want. I just want to come because I want to make myself more useful and, and a more useful tool for God to use. Because as Chris knows, when, when Sean departed and, and Chris was having some tough stuff going on with family and I thought wow there's a chance that I need, need to stand up and preach I don't feel equipped to do that and I wanted to equip myself to do that so that I have no intention of going off somewhere and becoming a pastor I I'm doing what I love doing I just I have absolutely loved learning um well uh, again it, it's 
it, it opens my eyes to the fact that, again, there's so much to know about God and there's so much beyond what I know and so much beyond what even all the books say that, that uh, I've absolutely enjoyed being immersed and drinking from the fire hose and learning more about theology and starting to just dive into that deep pool. So that's cool. Nice. I think Chris and I are both people that love seminary. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I get I, don't, huh? I There are some people who don't are like, oh, I don't need seminary or this is yeah. too much. Or, but Chris and I both love him. So it's good to hear that you enjoy it. Well, and I, I, again, as a life, as a teacher and a lifelong learner, and I, I mean, again, I, I never get tired of learning something new, and it, it drives Jeannie crazy, because I'll be sitting here watching something on the Discovery Channel, she's like, really? And I'm like, well, I, I didn't know that dolphins do that, or these spiders yeah. do this, or, so anyway, um, but yeah, I, I've absolutely loved it, and again, just, just opening my eyes to the world of, um, the vast amount of knowledge that uh, is so far beyond what's in the Bible. The Bible is is so much more complicated than you think it is, and there's a reason that every time you read it, you get something different out of a text, and there's a reason that if you take things in context, it seems to anyway. I'm I'm learning a lot and and enjoying it. So it's complex, but it's also just incredibly beautiful. Yes, like yeah. it's incredible. Anyways. Cool. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for chatting with us, Darren. That, that was a lot of fun. We ought to have you on more. We have um, thoroughly enjoyed having you with us. Yeah. Enjoy being here. This is our last episode of the season. And so we'll start up again in 2021, probably. Um, uh, I'm thinking maybe January or February, but we'll let you know about that for those who are listening. We will be doing during Advent uh, a noonday prayer time during this Tuesday slot. And so we'll get you more information about that coming up. Um, and then uh, we are having worship on Sunday. It's going to be live streamed. Do you want to talk about that a little bit, Chris? Yes, we are not having in-person worship uh, at least until December 20th because of the governors and the bishops um, ad advice and um, we'll see on the 20th and the, the 27th. We've got to see what happens after Thanksgiving. But it will be live streamed, and it's going to be live streamed. This is different. Pay attention. At 10 a.m. So we're splitting the difference between early service and late service, and we're doing live stream at 10 a.m. We encourage you to get on and to watch us live so that you can interact with other people um, on the Facebook feed as we as we do that. But uh, that's that's one of the things that, that we'll be able to do this week. Uh, it's going to be a traditional format, and it's going to come to us from the come to you from the sanctuary. And the following week, uh, it will be a contemporary format, and it will be coming from the CLC. And so we're going to swap those out. But ten o'clock live one church family event. So uh, get get ready to to participate. You'll of course be able. Like if you oversleep, uh, you will be able to see it at two o'clock in the afternoon. But we do think that there's something to be said for coming together at the same time as God's people.
Great, and I think that's about it for now. Uh, so if Chris, if you'd send us out with a blessing, does that sound good? That sounds good. May the Lord be with you in the midst of all this uncertainty. May the Lord bless you with his presence, with his compassion and understanding. And as you go from this place into the remainder of the week, whatever that holds for us, the surprises that are good, um, the morning that we can't get together maybe with who we want to be with, may, may God still be with you and remind you that you belong to him, that he is your father, and that there is no place that we can be, that we are outside of the love of God for us. May the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of Almighty God the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. Amen.